630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Here's the staff to Riley's. He drops back. Blue Chiefs looking for Everly. He's going. Go to the end zone. Now McDavid walks in right circle. Back to Everly. Touchdown, Eskimo. One-timer score. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos, 630 Chad. And the Oilers continue their road trip tomorrow in New Jersey. It's Larson against Hall for the first time since the trade. These two teams are going to play each other twice in the next week as the Devils will be at Rogers Place on Thursday, but first Oilers at Devils tomorrow and then at the Senators on Sunday. Patrick Maroon the first career hat trick last night as the Oilers toughed it out 4-3 in Boston. Didn't play great through the first two periods, but came out of it with a tie and then were uh, much better than the Bruins through about the first 10 to 12 minutes of the third period and then were able to hang on to get the victory. Heartbreak, meanwhile, for the Canadian World Junior Team, Carter Hart, the Sherwood Park kid in goal for that shootout loss to the United States. And we're going to address that here off the top of the show. Thank you so much for tuning in. Hope you have a great weekend planned. Thanks for choosing to spend part of it listening to Inside Sports. My name is Reed Wilkins. It is 6.07. So many uh, classic hockey games at the international level wind up being decided in a way that I I think, if I can read your minds and read the temperature of being a Canadian all my life, being decided in a way that is quite distasteful to many of you. And our first guest tonight has uh, experienced that firsthand. I'm pleased to welcome Corey Hurst to Inside Sports this evening. Corey, uh, Corey, you're on with Reed Wilkins. How are you doing? Hey, I'm doing great. How are you guys doing? What's going I, on there? I, yeah, well, we're plugging away, buddy. We got a, we got a decent Oilers team. The, the Oilers are 10th overall. That sounds a little better than 29th finally, doesn't That's it? That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> We've all been waiting for this. We've been dying. We've been waiting and waiting and waiting. It's awesome to see. I love I love watching the play. They're so exciting now. It's uh they're one of my must-see TVs for the year, that's for sure. Well, the games are always close. As you know, Corey, I, I do the intermissions and the post game with Rob Brown, and pretty much every second intermission, Rob and I start off by saying, well, another tie or one-goal game. It's all it's always close after two. But, I mean, you've been in these NHL contests, and, and sometimes it's it's just staying as close for as long as possible that sometimes gets you the two points in the end. Yeah, you know what, and that's the NHL right now. Everyone says that old cliche, it's a 3-2 league, but it really is. Uh, you know, so you really, it's, it's a race to three every night. And I just, with the Edmonton Oilers, it's just how fast they can play and how fast they can move the puck around. And, and they did some really good things. They made some good trades. They've still got some things to do. They know that. It's a process. But at least they're there. They're involved. And that they're they're in the mix of a team that's, um, you know, whether or not they win a cup or whatever remains to be seen for a few years. But at least they're going to do some damage and, and cause some uh, you know, headache for some teams going into the playoffs. You know, I'm wondering as as a goaltender yourself, when you watch Cam Talbot, kind of a two-parter, uh, just what you think of, of, of his abilities, because when he's on, he can just swallow that puck. That's me just watching it as an observer. And also how you think he's handling the workload, because his backup, Jonas Gustafsson, has not played much. 
Yeah. Well, coming out of New York, he's been taught really well. Now, um, uh, Benny Allaire is one of my top three goalie coaches in the National Hockey League, if not the best. He's uh, he's just so good. So, really, what he's done with with Talbot and where Talbot has come from, he's given him the tools so that he can play consistently every night and play a lot of hockey. And you see that with Lundqvist in New York. So getting him from New York was one of the best things the Oilers could do. And I was critical of it. I, I was at the start. I didn't know what, what to expect because he had played a lot of games out of New York. But uh, give credit to the Oilers and their scouting staff and uh, pulling this guy out of New York because they did a good job. They brought in a good quality goalie, a good quality human being. Do you think, let me ask you this, I mean, the whole Larson trade will, will be debated until the end of time is how we usually put it here here in Edmonton. Do you think Hall and Larson, are, and I know the Devils play tonight, do you, do you think, and you would have had teammates that would have been in this situation, you would have played against former teams. Do you think that's on their mind? Do you, do you think the other teammates are, are like, okay, there's our old buddy now on the other side? How much of an effect does that have when they get on the ice tomorrow? You know, it's just, it's, it's, it's weird. I, it's the only way I can describe it is it's a really odd feeling to have spent that much time with somebody or a team and then to play against them again. It's just, um, it's almost surreal. But you definitely have in the back of your mind that you want to prove that they made a mistake. That, that is always there. Uh, you, there's a total pen that happened to me. Uh, and the first thing that I always thought of was that, geez, I, you know, I just really want to play well and beat this team. I want to show that they, they made a mistake. So that is going to be uh, definitely in their minds. But you kind of also know their weaknesses too. So you kind of know where these guys stand um and it's just it's weird lining up against your buddies or as a goalie i mean one of my old teammates would shoot on me i'd make a save and they come and pay on the head that's kind of a bit <laughs> odd even though you're not teammates anymore Corey hirsch joining us on inside sports all right we, we want to dive into your thoughts here as a goaltender i know you were active on twitter last night and you went through some heartbreak wearing the canadian jersey as well just first of all Corey, as you're watching last night's world junior game uh, and it's going through that 20-minute overtime. I mean, were you thinking, oh, my God, like somebody please score? Or, or are you wishing that it just doesn't get decided in a shootout? Or give me your uh, emotional journey through that game yesterday. Yeah, it's like, it's like, come on, really? It's 2016. We're playing the game like it's 1985 again. We still got the shootout. We saw it in 1994, and everybody was upset about it. Don't take anything away from the USA. That was a real, they are a good hockey club, and they beat you know they 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 won and uh we don't want to take anything away from them but like seriously it's time for the ihf to like really kind of let's let's look at this i mean this is just this isn't soccer we're not deciding a game on penalties we've come up with ways to to finish games you know go go to four on four for 10 minutes and then to three on three for 10 minutes trust me junior hockey the game will end you take a play off the ice they're going to give up chances the game will end and it'll be a team finish not an individual player so it's just it's the hard part of all this is that I know what it's like when you when you deal with the IHF and all those guys and those federations. It's they're very old school, and it's hard to get them to grasp changing. And I think it's time the federations get together and say, "Look, you know what? Enough's enough. Like uh, this is just a ridiculous way to finish a, a championship hockey game." Uh, everybody in the building wanted to see more overtime. The players want to see a more overtime. Uh, yeah, it's, it's time to, to do something about it and get rid of it. 
Do you, in terms of the the international tournament format, Corey and Rob and I were discussing this last night too. I mean, with some with the semifinals are pretty much always in the same building, scheduled back to back. Do you do you live with the shootout as a necessary evil in the earlier rounds, or do you think there's a way to get out get out of it in all the elimination games? Well, I think you know what you go down to three on three like the NHL has. Hey, those games will end. Right. You know, you don't need to go to a shootout anymore. We've figured it out. The NHL has figured out a way to finish this game. Even the NHL games, I'd like to see them go seven to ten minutes of three-on-three. Three. I guarantee you that we will see very few shootouts. And then if you've done everything you can and you've given every opportunity, okay, well, then maybe we'll institute the shootout. But I guarantee you that those, those games will end. So it's time. And, and it's the IHF is a great organization. Let's be honest. Like, they've done a lot of good things for hockey, but it is very difficult to get them to change some of the archaic ways. And and the shootout is just an archaic way of, of solving a hockey game. And I think we've all could agree on that. There wasn't one comment on Twitter last night going, Yay, a shootout, let's finish this. That was all <laughs> it was all, you know, let's watch more of this. Let's let these kids finish it. Um and I think both teams would have liked to have done that themselves. Corey Hurst joining us inside sports on six thirty chat. Before we we get to to, to 1994, uh, Carter Hart, who's from Sherwood Park here, just outside of Edmonton, I mean, he allows one goal in in the shootout, and uh, it, it comes down to such an individual well thing at, at that point. And, I, and look, he had a he had a great tournament. He showed a lot of mental toughness. I thought uh, maybe you already have talked to him. I don't know if you reach out to players, but but if you could talk to Carter Hart, what would what would you say to him? I'd say, you know what, dude, you'll get over it. <laughs> it's not that big of a deal. You're going to be 40 one day and look back and go, huh, I can't believe that actually happened. Um, you know, so he's going to have a, a good pro career. It, it, you'll, he'll be fine. That's exactly it. It'll be okay. I know it hurts today, but, um, but it's just it, it's just a, a silly it's a silly way to finish a game. And then it's not right. It's an individual competition. But, yeah, it, he'll it, – They'll get over it. Trust me. Give us, give the kid a Stanley Cup, and he'll get over it one day. <laughs> right, Corey. Back in 1994, I, I was going back and reading about that game today, and I found a little bit of YouTube video. I think your overtime in the gold medal game against Sweden. This was the Olympics. I think it was only 10 minutes, if I remember. I don't think it was 20. Yeah, it was 10 minutes long. Yep. So that was no, that, we only played 10. Yeah. Yeah. So that was pretty quick. So that made a shootout even more likely. What was your shootout experience before having to go into a shootout to win Olympic gold? Well, we had uh, gone through the year, but back then, the European teams would always, uh, at the end of their warm-ups, they would do shootouts. That's what they do. That okay. was part of uh, everyday game warm-up or practice. So they practiced. We never practiced it. Like, we rarely did it at all. If <laughs> I can't remember practicing it. Or even, it's just something that wasn't in our culture. We didn't have it. So, going into that shootout, I mean, my personal record wasn't great. Uh, you know, and, and our team record wasn't great as far as an individual skills competition. But... You know that's where the Europeans had an advantage. So it was just a lot different back then. Point is, is that here we are, 22 years later, and we're still solving games like that, even though we knew and we all said back then that it was the wrong thing to do. Like, I mean, come on, 22 years later, like let's let's figure this out. It's not hard. You know, go to three on three, go to four on four. It'll 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 end. That uh, that shooter to 94 went the, the five rounds, and then you guys went two extra rounds. So it ended in the seventh round on the uh, on the Forsberg goal. 
which some people still think he took the puck backwards. I don't know. <laughs> what do you think about that? Yeah, he took the puck back. Let's go back to it. I want a do-over. <laughs> well, you should. You, you should Can get, we get a, that. You, you should. You should get a do-over. Uh, and look, I, just because, and like you said, you, you've. I'm sure you've you've gotten over it, though. We still ask you uh, about it. Do, do you think? Do, do you do you think it would have hurt more? Because I know you wanted the Olympic gold medal. Obviously, you're a Canadian. But do you think it would have hurt more if you would have lost in overtime? I mean, did a shootout make it a little bit like, what? That's That was weird. Yeah, you know what? It was like, I remember at the end of it, it was like, it was stupid. <laughs> it's just like, we did all that to lose then. It's like, really? Um, and it ended up actually kind of like just feeling gimmicky in a way at the end of it. Uh, and I'm sure that the guys... Uh, you know, in Canada, feel that way today too. But uh, when I look back, we are starting to dominate uh, overtime. Todd Halushko hits uh, one of the defensemen. I think it's Kenny Johnson behind the net, and we were starting to take actually over that game. And, and you know, it would have been nice to have been able to see if we could have actually finished it. So uh, we'll never know. That's just the way it is. But uh, there's, we, it has to change. I mean, it's time. Hey, Mike Madano was on Twitter. He's a friend of mine. Last night, he said, "You know, this is ridiculous." So uh, it, it, we're all in support of changing it. But, okay, who's the head guy? Like, let's change it. It's not that hard. Yeah. It really isn't. All right. And, Corey, last one. And I, I know, unfortunately, we're, we're going down uh, not necessarily pleasant memory lane with you. But the final last one is, do they still make that stupid stamp in Sweden? Or is it long gone? <laughs> I'm not, I think they probably still make it. I'm not sure. I, I don't know. I mean, I uh, I have a few at home. But, I mean, that, that's from the World Championships. But. Uh, years ago, when, when I went over the world the next year, I would send, they'd send it home. It's kind of cool, though, right? I mean, it's like, <laughs> it's part of history. It's kept me relevant in history. So everyone thinks it's like it, it's bad memories and hurt feelings, but it really isn't. I mean, it's actually pretty cool to have done what I did. And, and the best part about it is I have a 16, 18-year-old kid, an 11-year-old, and they see my silver medal, right? Um, so uh, it's, it's actually been it was a blessing. I, all of it, it was. I wouldn't be who I am today without it. Do you have the medal? Like, is it on display in the house, or where do you keep it? Uh, it's in, yeah, it's in a uh, yeah. It's not in my house. It's somewhere. Uh, yeah, okay, no, it's in my house. So, if anybody's listening out there, you don't know where I live. Anyway, okay, <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. But okay. No, it's, uh, we keep it there. Yeah. No, we, it's uh, it's locked up. But it's uh, I pull it out. You know what I do is I pull it out for like school presentations. Oh, nice. Yeah, it's pretty cool that way. I mean, they all look at me now like I'm ancient. Like, really, old guy? Like, really, you're going to pull out a medal from 1990? Well, these kids weren't even born yet. Right. So it's, it's still, it's just cool. Like, people love it. It's uh, it's a good thing. Well, Corey, thanks for your perspective and sharing some of the things you went through in your shootout experience and a couple Oilers games for you to watch this weekend. So enjoy those as well, man. Oh, absolutely. I'll be watching. Like I said, must them and the Leafs. I never thought I'd say that. Must see TV right now. Some good teams and good players. Awesome stuff. Talk to you soon, Corey. Happy New Year. All right, guys. Take care. That is Corey Hurst checking in tonight, Inside Sports on 630. Chad, I love what he said there. What would you say to Carter Hart? Said, hey, you'll get over it. You know, life goes on. You're going to have uh, probably some pretty high highs in your in your career, maybe a Stanley Cup, so uh, you'll deal with the, with the shootout loss. It stings last night. I, I, I know... 
Uh, I, I doubt anybody is going to text in or call and say, yeah, that was great. Let's have gold medal games decided in shootouts. But uh, you can let me know what you think if you like. 780-496-0063. You can text 630-630. We'll have some comments from Carter Hart as we move along as well. It is 621. I'm Reed Wilkins. It's Inside Sports on 630 Chet. Devils are playing tonight. Well, at least they have a game schedule that doesn't appear they've really shown up. The Maple Leafs lead New Jersey 4-0 with three and a half minutes left in the first period. Corey Schneider started the game, let in three goals on five shots. Keith Kincaid went in. He's allowed a goal on two shots. 4-0. Toronto leading New Jersey still in the first period. Kadri, Brown, Matthews, and Bozak scoring for Toronto. Matthews with his 21st of the season. The Panthers lead the Predators 1-0 after one. Other games to come later on tonight, including the Flames and the Canucks. Oilers and Devils tomorrow on Ched. 3.30 for the face-off show. The game will start at 5. Thanks a lot for tuning in this evening. My name is Reed Wilkins, Inside Sports on Ched, 780-496-0063. We have Brian on line one. Hey, Brian. Hey, Reed. Happy New Year to you. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Happy New Year to you as well. Thank you. Uh, I, you know, I've got to agree with what Corey said uh, you know, uh, earlier, that uh, you know the shootout, is especially in a... I mean, it would be like having Game 7 of the Stanley Cup Final being, you know, being decided by a shootout. It, it just, it really, you know, it's not, it's not the greatest gimmick in the world. I mean, I, I, think, I like Corey's idea of starting at 4-4, four and four, do it for maybe 4-4 four and four for 5 minutes, and then do 3-on-3 three three for 5 minutes. And I agree with him 100% that that, that game will get decided. Yeah, at some point in those ten minutes. Well, and if you if you played ten or twenty minutes of three on three, there there would be a goal. I mean, oh, no uh, doubt about it. Absolutely, and and you know the the I, I think the big thing that I that I really don't like about the about the the overtime and the and the shootout, and I talk to other people that, that are saying the same thing. You know, it just it almost seems unfair that a, that a team will will fight to tie the game. It'll go to overtime, and you know, if rather than each team getting one point, someone will still you know end up on on the losing end. I mean, so whether it's a a one-one tie like it used to be at the end of, of regulation, and then you only had overtime in the playoffs, um, or you know, now it's it just it just doesn't seem right. It, you know, it just. Uh, to me, if you get a regulation win, maybe that should be worth three points. Well, and then that's you know. that's actually the point system they use in the round robin for the World Juniors. You got three for a regulation win, two for an overtime or shootout win, one for an overtime or a shootout loss, and zero for a regulation loss. And, I, and I've talked about this before on the show, Brian. I, I, th- I, I wouldn't mind if the NHL did that. I just don't think they want to have four columns in the standings. Well, and I, and I can appreciate that, but they've already got the three columns. I know, and it would technically still be a three-column system. I mean, you just have wins, losses, and OTs. I mean, it it really be no different. 
I, the other the other thing, comment I just wanted to make real quick was like as far as you know everybody was commending Columbus Blue Jackets for their streak and everything and all this. Um, and and by the way, I, I I do I did like your comment uh, after the after the game or the day after the game that you know if there was any time for the Oilers to kind of you know definitely maybe you know fall down a, a step and lose it was it was against them. Having said that, if you if you take a look at when the other teams, uh, I believe the Islanders had the third longest uh, streak, yep. and the Penguins had the first longest. Uh, I I don't believe there was the overtime and the shootout when they had their streak. So, you know, if you take a look in retrospect to, to the Columbus Blue Jackets, it would have really, I mean, in the days days gone by, would have been a 16 game undefeated streak, not a win. Yeah, because they won three games in overtime. The Islanders in 82 did not have any sort of overtime. The Penguins in 93 didn't have shootouts, but they did have overtime. And I think they, uh, Jim Matheson and I were looking this up the other day. I believe they won two or three times in overtime. So, right, yeah, it can so change I mean, the records a bit. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, so, I mean, to me, it's, it's kind of no different than, like, the, the, the shout-out record between Mark Brodeur and Terry Sawchuck. Right. Uh, you know, total different decades total different styles and you know to me it should almost be an asterisk beside Martin Brodeur's name or or have you know do it like some record books do it where it's a modern era record now yeah Brian good call man I'll talk to you soon okay have a great day that is Brian seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. we can keep going with this want to talk a little bit about Patrick Maroon's big game as well when we get back <laughs> This is Oscar Clefbaum from your Edmonton Oiler, and you're listening to the Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 6:30. Chat. The Oilers practiced in Boston today, and then flew to New Jersey for their game tomorrow. The Devils are getting throttled tonight on home ice, four nothing. The Maple Leafs leading it after the first period. Also after one, Panthers with a one nothing edge on the Predators. Just getting underway, Carolina at Chicago. Later, Flames and Canucks, Coyotes and Ducks, and the Islanders play the Avalanche. That's your look at the NHL scoreboard. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. It's Inside Sports on 630 Chad. My name is Reed Wilkins. Thank you so much for tuning in. You can text 630-630. Cody says, could you imagine Major League Baseball doing a home run competition after, say, 10 innings? Wake up, double IHF. Wake up. Kirk says, one of the best hockey games I've seen in the last couple of years, including playoffs, hats off to the USA. Of course, they deserved it. Yeah, well, I don't think anybody's taking anything away from the United States. I, I think most people are just saying uh, they would rather not have it be decided in a shootout. That's all. I, I haven't heard any Canadian fans say it's a tainted victory for the States. I mean, both teams played. It went to a shootout. Those were the rules. It was an exciting game. Got a great text here from Jamie. <laughs> Who, we, got, uh, we got Warren Mulvey on the other side of the window tonight. Uh, Warren, Jamie actually put uh, sarcasm after his text though I think I would have detected it anyway he goes hey if winning on penalties is good enough for FIFA <laughs> that's, that's the text of the week I think coming in late entry on a Friday night I think that's the text of the week from Jamie uh, yeah and, that, and that's, the, that's the crazy thing about soccer or football as they call it uh, 
back in the old country. Uh, <laughs> Warren, that's the crazy thing about soccer. They play 90 minutes of, uh, of regular time, 30 minutes of extra time, where it's almost impossible to score, and then they go to the penalty shootout where it's almost impossible to miss. Here, shoot at a 24 by 8 net from 12 yards away. I can't hear you, buddy. Are you talking? Are you? I, I didn't hear you if you were on air. Sorry, but I don't know. He's new. <laughs> he, he wasn't supposed to work today. You're in because Kellett is sick. I, I don't know. I saw your red light come on, but I could not hear you. So either that's a problem. Yeah, you know, I had the volume down. There, you're let's right. let's be <laughs> let's be honest here. That's that way. That t- trust me. That is a a common. You're you're kind of a rookie. You're relatively new. That's a common error. Yeah. Well, you know what I'm talking about. I like that text about the soccer shootout. Yeah. Well, I, all I said was, uh, I think it's impossible to score in soccer in, in any situation. It takes it takes forever to get a goal in the net. Oh, I, I absolutely. See. Well, I mean, how? Yeah. I mean, the the who was it? Uh, Toronto and Seattle in the MLS Cup final. I, but wasn't it nil nil? They didn't score the whole game, and then yeah. they went to a shootout for the championship. I, I don't watch soccer a lot, but I've seen that more times than I can count. One nil, nil nil. It is, uh, it is not a game known for its goal scoring, buddy. Uh, this texter says, uh, how about a shootout, but you have to win by two goals? Eh, I don't know. That would just prolong it. I, I think you just play three on three. I mean, quite frankly, I would be I would be fine in the NHL if they kept in ties after a five-minute three-on-three overtime. About half the games get decided, and most of the three-on-three overtimes are so entertaining, I think fans could swallow going home with a tie. And thinking, well, okay, well, you know, it was even. They played a crazy five minutes of overtime. I mean, that game against the Vancouver Canucks on New Year's Eve, the overtime was insane. There, they, there, there were eight good scoring chances in five minutes. Usually, one of those is going to go in. Didn't in that game. If you left the, the, if you left with a tie that night, would you feel cheated as a fan? If you invested two and two hours and forty-five minutes watching that game, would you on TV? Would you feel cheated? I don't think so. I don't. I don't think so anymore. I remember when they first brought in this shootout. I thought it was great, but not so sure anymore. Carter Hart, the Sherwood Park goaltender, back in town today, talking about losing in the shootout. It's tough losing out in a shootout like that, but um, it's. I guess it's it's for the fans. I guess maybe they want to see that, but. Um, I don't know. I think maybe if we had a, uh, another overtime period or like a playoff game where it's just continuous overtime. But I don't know. I, I, I don't control that. I can't control that. I just got to worry about my game and, and worry about what I can control. All right. Carter Hart's going to be fine. He's having a great season in the Western Hockey League with Everett. He's going to be a good NHL goaltender someday. The Oilers toughing it out in Boston last night. Uh, as I mentioned, I didn't think it was a great opening two periods by the Oilers, but they're they're three best players up front last night were McDavid, Dreisaitl, and Maroon. That line got a couple of goals. Talbot just strong again. And then, uh, you know, I thought, I mean, the Oilers came out and were out shooting the Bruins 8-1 eight, uh, through about the first half of the third period. Got control of the game. Obviously got a little hairy at the end. That, uh, that'll sometimes happen, especially when you got to try to kill off a five-on-three and you miss doing it by, by two minutes. 
but Patrick Maroon, his first career hat trick. Here's McDavid in deep. Maroon scores. Backdoor, a beautiful play by Connor McDavid to set up Patrick Maroon for a backdoor tap-in. McDavid slid it out to Gariba. Loads and fires off a skate. Maroon tied up, backhanded in home. Patrick Maroon frowned the loose puck and buried it behind Duke Rask. Here's a turnover. Maroon to the net. Wrist shot, score. Hat trick, Patrick Maroon. Edmonton now extends 4-2. Maroon's got three. And he has 14 on the season. The season will be halfway over at the conclusion of tomorrow's game against the Devils. If you would have picked Patrick Maroon getting 14 goals for the entire year, I probably would have said, okay, yeah, ballpark, you're probably there. I mean, he's he's on pace for the high 20s. We'll, we'll see if he keeps it up, but he has six goals in his last eight games. And, and i got to say something, guys, and, and if you don't agree with me, you're welcome to tell me. And, and I, I totally understand, and, and quite frankly agree with, that Maroon has been, really ever since joining the team at last year's trade deadline, he's been an Oiler about 10 and a half months now, he's really been McDavid's best winger. Either, either wing, I think I would say, unless you count the few times that McDavid and Dreisaitl have played together. But the thing about Maroon is he has scored on other lines. He, he has scored more with McDavid, but, but the, the guy's been able to, to chip in and make an impact regardless of what line he's on. And he has had everybody as a center at some point this season. Now, he didn't play with Letestu for very long, but he's played with everybody else at, at least at, at some point. And, you know, he's looked generally pretty good at every point. So Maroon's showing a lot of versatility. And what can you say about last night's team? Three goals and really scored with... Three different skill sets, if you want to call it that, where, where he exhibited three different strengths. Okay, the first goal, he recognizes McDavid has some speed to the outside, so that's a goal. I got to drive the net. I got to get in myself in position for a pass or a deflection. He's able to read the play, get into the right spot, score the goal. Then the second goal, he displays some battle and some brute strength. It's a shot from the point. It gets knocked down. It's lying there in front. In front, He is battling with Adam McQuaid. He's able to help muscle him. He's able to get the shot off. He scores. Okay, so that was a little more of a, a muscular-type goal, right? And then the third goal, yeah, Bruins turn the puck over. So the, can the Oilers take advantage? And it, it, that's that's a deft little deke. I mean, that's those are some cute hands right there by Maroon to score that third goal. So three goals exhibiting three different abilities and uh, Maroon has shown that that he can do a little bit of everything and what a nice surprise he has been for the Oilers I mean an incredibly lopsided trade in favor of Edmonton still with Maroon for another season at at a million and a half dollars and somebody was saying you know last night well is Maroon protected in the expansion draft I don't know how you can't protect him in the expansion draft if he's going to have 20-plus goals, maybe close to 30 by the end of the season. So good for him. I mean, and, and this is the thing. We, we we talk a lot about where players are at in their careers and, you know, adding to your skill set. And, and, you know, clearly we've talked about some of the guys who've been Oilers for a long time, Eberle, Nugent Hopkins, expanding their skill set, Pouliot, you know, trying to work on some things in his game. And a lot of it sometimes just comes down to the individual. Is, is, he, gonna, is, is he going to make the efforts – 
to work the things that he needs into his game. And for some guys, it comes later than others. Some guys just need an extra opportunity. Some guys are just take advantage of playing with an incredible talent like Connor McDavid. So I, I think Maroon deserves a lot of credit. 780-496-0063. You can text us at 630-630. The Oilers did practice today. Brandon Davidson was back on the ice. He missed last night's game with an illness. So uh, we'll see more about the lineup when we get to the morning skate for the game against the New Jersey Devils. Uh, I would expect the goaltenders to be split this weekend. My guess would be Talbot tomorrow, Gustafson on Sunday. But we'll see how that goes. This is, of course, the two guys involved in the trade. Larson and Hall, Ryan Nugent Hopkins commenting on Adam Larson's contribution since joining the Oilers. Yeah, Adam's been awesome. I mean, he's a, he's a steady guy back there. He's a guy that we can rely on uh, night in and night out. And um, I mean, like I said, he just uh, he makes a, uh, the, the simple play and uh, um, he gets a puck move, um, moving quick out of the zone. So, I mean, uh, that's uh, kind of what we want and, uh, and need. Obviously, you need that on, uh, on a team like us. So, uh, I mean, uh, he, he's been great, and uh, hopefully he keeps uh, keeps getting better. He doesn't run guys out there, but he provides a physical edge as well, right? Yeah, he does. I mean, he's definitely physical. He's tough to play against, and um, I know when I played against him, uh, he was a guy that uh, uh, you had to make sure that you knew that he was on the ice. I mean, he does play physical, and uh, will finish his checks on you, and, uh, and also has a good stick. So, I mean, he's not an easy guy to play uh, against uh, no matter what. A little bit there from Ryan Nugent Hopkins. Got a text here from the Big L. He says, hey, Reed, watch last night's game. Thrilled for Maroon. Hope his son was watching. Concerned about Everly, though. Do you think the Oilers could try and pry a player out of Colorado for him? I know both he and Nugent Hopkins are getting some criticism, but Nuge has a much better defensive game. In my mind, Everly's role might very well be filled by Kajula. Well, I don't think Kajula's quite there yet, and I think they want him playing, hopefully, third third-line center as his career progresses. As you would expect for Kajula, he's had some. He's been very up and down throughout his young NHL career. We'll see where he goes. I mean, clearly it's reached a point with Everly that's become fairly concerning with one goal in his last 19 games. I thought Todd McClellan put it well in the clip he gave us a couple of days ago. If you can't score, you have to contribute to the game in some other way. Everly has done that some nights. Other nights, he has not. Um Now, you talk about trading Jordan Eberle with a $6 million contract. If he's not scoring and not consistently contributing in other ways, that's difficult to trade, obviously. Um, Colorado, I mean, you know, I see the the Landeskog and uh, Duchesne rumors like all of you will see. If you listen to this show a lot, you know I'm not a huge trade rumor guy because we can talk ourselves into circles. I just, here's the thing that I wonder about with a player like Eberle, because I think the Oilers could use more depth up front, and you can never have enough defensemen. I, I really believe that. You can never have enough defensemen. If the Oilers stay in this area in the standings, going into the trade deadline, where they're right now they're 10th overall, say they're somewhere between 7th and 13th at the trade deadline, where it looks like they're a pretty sure bet to make the playoffs, could Shirelli make a big in-season move? Now, I don't think I, I don't think you would trade. Well, I know you wouldn't trade Everly for a rental player, though. But would you trade Everly for a, a guy that could maybe be a contributor for what three to five years, depending on the contract? You'd probably look at something like that. Another texter says, "Did you say Patrick Maroon has some cute hands? Maybe he should become a hand model after hockey." Was that George Costanza? Was there an episode of Seinfeld where George was a hand model? 
Warren, am I th- am I thinking of the right thing? Uh, that sounds absolutely right. Yeah. Huge hands, maybe not my most poetic moment on the show, but I think people know what I meant. <laughs> it is 6.47. Hey, uh, a pretty cool opportunity for one of the uh, friends of Inside Sports, Stefan Radzinski, local race car driver. He's making a push for something really special. He's going to tell you how you can help him. That's when we get back on Chet. This is Matt Hendricks from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chet. Matt Hendricks and the Oilers against the Devils tomorrow. Senators on Sunday. They're both on Chet. 3.30 face-off show, 5 o'clock puck drop. The Devils are getting crushed. 4-0 Toronto early in the second period. Panthers lead the Predators 1-0 halfway through the second. Early on, no score. Hurricanes and Blackhawks. More games coming up. They have not yet started. Brendan Gallagher from the Montreal Canadiens will be out at least eight weeks. Left hand surgery, tough break for him. And the Oil Kings making yet another trade today. They get 20-year-old veteran Riley Stadel from the Kelowna Rock. This is an exchange for a conditional fifth-round pick in the 2018 Bantam Draft. My name is Reed Wilkins. Thank you so much for tuning in tonight. You can always text 630-630, the email inside sports at 630ched.com. If you go to my Twitter account right now, at Reed Wilkins, R-E-I-D-W-I-L-K-I-N-S, I've retweeted our next guest, Stefan Radzinski, and there's a link there as to how you can help him out, and he's going to tell you how you can help him as we welcome Steph back to the show. Hey, man, haven't talked to you in a while. How have you been? Oh, I've been awesome. I've been awesome. I mean, the last... Uh I guess it's been just over 48 hours have been pretty unreal. Uh, I haven't slept much, uh, but I've got this crazy opportunity in front of me. It's one that um, honestly could be potentially career-defining. It's uh, it's a chance to compete in the race of champions, which is uh, kind of like a fantasy camp for motorsports. It's all of the best drivers from around the world, Formula One world champions like Sebastian Vettel, Jensen Button, IndyCar champions, NASCAR champions, like Kurt and Kyle Busch, off-road guys like Travis Pastrana, and uh, there's a vote going on for to fill one seat uh, to compete with James Hinchcliffe, who is another Canadian IndyCar driver and also of uh, Dancing with the Stars, same most recently. Um, but I am competing with uh, nine other drivers to fill that spot with him. Uh, and I've had a good start, so... Um, it's been crazy, but uh, we definitely have uh, some super stiff competition, so that's why I'm I'm not sleeping. <laughs> All right. Well, I know you're trying to to get as many people to vote as possible. You you are second out of the ten people. It's really a two horse race. Connor Daly, who's an American, uh, is approaching 2,800 votes. You're approaching 2,200. That's as of a couple minutes ago. I opened the page. Uh, now, what's the story? Because isn't Connor Daly already? On, on one of the circuits, how is it that he's maybe I maybe I'm totally speaking out the the wrong side of my head here, but isn't how is he eligible for this? Um, no, I, I wouldn't say something outside of your head. I, I would be I'm I don't know. There was no real criteria that said what you couldn't or could or couldn't apply for. I applied for it online, and I assume he did the same. Uh, and just so happens that. He is also one of the competitors. When you look at it uh, in terms of profile and all the things, like it doesn't really make sense. Um, you know, he is an IndyCar driver. He's competed in the Indy 500 multiple times. He drives for AJ Point Racing, but he still has the same opportunity as everyone else, I guess. 
Uh, and that's totally fine. Um, it just makes it a little bit, no, not a little bit, a lot harder for me because <laughs> they've got uh, a lot more reach naturally um, just from, from having that, that, uh, that profile. Uh, IndyCar is also supporting him. So, you know, that was a series I was trying to get in a number of years ago. Um, so their PR and marketing team is on it. They're, I'm seeing sponsored posts in my, uh, in my Facebook feed. Uh, and so they've really got the whole machine going there. And honestly, it's just me. <laughs> I'm just here in Edmonton, and I'm just I'm trying to reach out to every Edmontonian I can. Um, just take two seconds if you can. I, I really appreciate uh, just a quick vote and share. It means so much. Um, I don't think it's, I don't think this something like this will make or break uh, for a career for someone like Connor, uh, but it obviously could could for someone like me because we don't get these opportunities every day, and that's that's why I'm not sleeping. That's why. I'm really going to try and do everything I can to win this thing. The voting ends on uh, Monday, January 9th at 11 a.m., and uh, I plan on not stopping. <laughs> I'm not <laughs> stopping until uh, we win this thing. So uh, for anyone that's listening, um, if you check out those links, uh, they're on my website as well, rzadracing.com, or on my Twitter handle, which is rzadracing, rzadracing. Um, yeah, it just would mean so much to, to win this thing and be a part of it. I want to represent Edmonton on the big stage. I know we produce some amazing talent here in Canada, but we so rarely get an opportunity. It's not like hockey. It's not like other sports. And as weird and as gimmicky as it is, maybe through a vote, um, I don't really care. I need to find a way to get there. If this is my way, I'm going to get there. <laughs> well, that's all. Well, I know how driven you are, and I know how proud you are to be an Edmontonian. So well said on your part. And I should say to people, like, I, I voted if you have Facebook, you you can it'll just connect you through there. Uh, you 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 have to put in an, an email address. They're just making sure you're not a robot voting, so it's not like you have to give uh, ten pieces of personal information and you're going to get no, spammed. Yeah. It's, I it's think pretty, for most it's people, it was like five or ten seconds. For the most people who were signed into Facebook already, I think it was pretty quick. Um, but uh, yeah, so it's super easy. Like it's it's not difficult at all if you have a Facebook account. If you're listening to this, if you have a Facebook account for your dog or your whoever in your family let them know please help me out uh and i think it, it would just be awesome to like you know in a way it's kind of like this this small town doesn't feel i know we're not a small town but we just like we bound together in this kind of stuff and really it's like sticking it to the establishment of like pr people and marketing people and promotion like we're not you know we, i just don't have that but i still we're somehow like still in the fight <laughs> And that's only because of Edmontonian supporting me, and that's, I think, really unreal. Well, like 2,000 votes in 48 hours is wild. Since we started this interview, you've gone from being about 600 votes behind to about 450 behind. So, no way. Yeah, it's, <laughs> you you, you, you're now, you, you were under, you were 21-something when we started. Now you're at 2309. So you've, oh, man. you've gotten that like 150 unreal. votes in the last five minutes. Uh, Steph, uh, it, it's so great that you're doing this. Again, uh, RZAD Racing is your Twitter account. If people want to go to my account, Reed Wilkins, they, they can follow the link either way. We're into the final minute here. Uh, I know you're a huge uh, uh, fan of all Edmonton athletes and teams. Give me 20 seconds on your uh, Oilers fan experience this year. Oh, it's been it's been awesome. I've loved watching the Oilers this year. Uh, I went to my first game here at the the new at the arena where the Oilers didn't lose. I think since 2001. I didn't. I don't get to go to many games, but the last game the Oilers won when I was there was uh, when George LaRock fought a guy in maybe Vancouver 2-1 in like 2001. So they're winning games now. They're looking like a like a 
a proper hockey team. Uh, I'm really excited, and I really believe in them. So uh, hopefully a good uh, good few months for Edmonton sports, and I'd love to be a part of it too. And, again, thank you for everyone who has voted. That is unreal. I can't even believe that that's happened. Steph, keep in touch, buddy. All the best. Uh, we're going to be talking again soon, buddy. Hope you get this. Been two, uh, Monday at 11 it closes? Monday at 11 a.m., so it's okay. uh, pretty much got the weekend to do it. Awesome, buddy. Thanks for your time. Thanks so much, Reed. Stefan Rodzinski checking in tonight. He is a passionate young man. Uh, Works so hard at his racing career. If you're inclined to vote on this and give him a hand, please do it. Inside Sports on 630 Chat. Hey, you know what? This is cool. Today, today is the 50th anniversary of a very significant Canadian hockey victory. You'll find out more after the news. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.